Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Charlotte Chapel. Uh, whether you're a member here or you've just started joining us on Sundays, it's great to have you with us uh, this morning. And we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Later on this morning, our senior pastor, Paul Reese, is going to be preaching uh, from Romans 12. And uh, so we look forward to what God has to say through the preaching of his word. I just have one announcement, uh, and that is that we are running a course called Hope Explored in the Anderson Room this morning, uh, and that's just beginning now. So if you're here for that, um, now is the time to head out uh, to go to the Anderson Room, which is um, just out the back and to the left. Uh, and if you're not sure where to go, uh, please just ask one of the, the stewards and they'll point you in the right direction. Now, as we begin this morning, uh, I want to read some verses from Ephesians uh, that remind us of what Christ has done for his church. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We have lots to praise God for this morning. His son, Jesus Christ, gave himself up for us to make us holy. He has cleansed and washed us through his powerful word so that we can be presented before him as a radiant church without stain or blemish, but holy and blameless in his sight. Let's praise him for that now as we sing our opening hymn. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's stand.
take your seats. And let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we want to thank you and praise you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. We thank you that on the cross he gave his life up for us so that we could be cleansed from sin and so that we could put on his righteousness and be holy and blameless in your sight. Lord, we thank you that the church's foundation is Jesus Christ, that we are solid and secure, that we are rooted in him. We don't have to try and rely on our own works. We don't have to stand on shaky ground, but we can stand firmly on your grace. Lord God, we thank you for the reminder in that hymn that you guide and sustain your church, that in all our trials and tribulations, you are with us. And Lord, we thank you that there will be a day when we are brought securely to the new creation, where we will have perfect peace and rest in your presence forevermore. Lord, how we long for that day more than anything this world has to offer. And Heavenly Father, uh, we come this morning knowing that you are the living God, knowing that all wisdom, power, and knowledge are in your mighty hands. So this morning we gather expectantly. Lord, we believe that you want to speak to us through your word as your Holy Spirit ministers among us. And Lord, we ask that we would all be aware of your powerful presence this morning. Would you be at work to encourage the weak, to bind up the brokenhearted, to challenge the comfortable, and to spur us all on to love and good works as your word goes forth. We pray all of this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the years, this church has been blessed to be a blessing by a number of individuals who have left legacy gifts. And at this point in our service, we'd love to show you a video, a video that shows the impact that those gifts have made for the advancement of the gospel and the church of Christ across Scotland. And when that's finished, our women's worker, Rachel Sloan, is going to come and lead us in a prayer of intercession. Let's watch. Over the past 15 years, financial gifts left by two members of Charlotte Chapel, Greta Arthur and Sheila Masterton through the Sanctuary Trust, have had an enormous impact on gospel ministry. They financed ministry training, kick-started church plants, and helped ensure that hundreds of youth have had the opportunity to hear and experience the gospel. The impact of these two funds has been remarkable, but they are, inevitably, coming to an end. Financially, at least. We take a look at just three short stories of the fruit that they continue to bear now and into the future, beginning with Adam McNinch and the Christchurch plant in South Queensferry. Both Adam's ministry training and the church plant's initial start-up were partly supported by gifts and legacies. South Queensferry is a town of about 13,000, 14,000, uh, just on the outskirts of Edinburgh. And like a lot of towns in Scotland, it's a place where there's uh, much gospel need. If you walk through Queensferry on a Sunday, you'll see people doing lots of different activities, but not many of them are going to church. The vision for Christchurch Queensferry is quite similar to Charlotte Chapel's vision, actually. Uh, ours is to see lives transformed in Queensferry through Jesus to the glory of God. And that's quite deliberate because um, 
we feel that we're actually a, a kind of real-life example of the chapel's vision for church planting and for the gospel growing, uh, becoming a reality. My journey into ministry has been quite a long one. Um, and be, I think early on when I, I came to the chapel um, after uni in sort of 2003, um, I really just took advantage of any free training that was, that, was, um, that was going. Things went up a gear in 2010 when I did the Cornhill training course through in Glasgow. So I went part-time with my work and then started uh, training with the Cornhill training course for two days a week for two years. And that's a course that um, teaches you how to handle the Bible and to preach and teach. And then things went up another notch in 2016 when I became a pastor in training at the chapel and also started a theology degree at Edinburgh Theological Seminary alongside that. Legacy funding has helped me uh, along the way in, in, in both at Cornhill and at Edinburgh Theological Seminary. And I'm just so thankful that, that people saw fit to leave some money to the chapel to allow people to be trained. Um, because I think at the age and stage that I was at, um, it was um, yeah, really beneficial to have that extra support um, from uh, Legacy Given. I see it in parts of the US that you, you, know, you build a church, you put some balloons out the front and, and people flock to this uh, new church. I don't really see that in, in 21st century Scotland. We, we de it definitely feels like we're on the back foot. Um, the equivalent of 120 churches close in Scotland every year. Um, it, it, it's not a place where we're seeing a lot of growth. I think a big part of our approach is building friendships in the community, loving people and um, seeking to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have. Adam's story reveals how God provided at just the right time in order to make it possible for him to be trained and for a faithful community of God's people to be established in South Queensferry. Our story continues, however, just a little further down the coast to Canty Bay, where the Greta Arthur legacy helped finance an extension of the old Scout Tarts in order to continue the 100-year history of bringing youth to encounter with the gospel at Canty Bay. We met up with David Whitley, a member of the Board of Trustees, whose life, in many ways, has been intricately connected to this little piece of coastline that God has used to impact so many. Well, I was brought up in Charlotte Chapel. Um, I became a Christian at a young age, and um, Cantibay uh, was a big factor in my development, my Christian development. The preaching was amazing, but as a young boy and as a growing boy, um, we, we were forced to go to church and uh, listen to long sermons, um, and uh, they didn't mean a lot sometimes uh, as a young person. Whereas to be living at Canty and seeing practical Christianity, um, committed leaders who were Christians and who led it, uh, a Christian life uh, day in, day out, um, was a particularly unique experience. I was thinking about what is it about Canty that makes it so special? And of course, it's a beautiful place, and just seeing God's creation and angel like that is it, wonderful. But actually, the more I think of it, it, it it's about the people. And I think from me personally, the, the people like uh, Nori, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and 
yourself, David, and, yeah. and, and Brian, and yeah. uh, a lot of people have been down here in the capacity as leaders and whatever. Uh, good people who love people. In normal times, when we don't have this pandemic, um, almost every weekend it's used, and uh, so there can be 800 young people go through Canty Bay, and therefore our vision is very much uh, to share the gospel with them, to tell them about the love of the Lord Jesus. The legacy that we got from Charlotte Chapel, which enabled us to uh, expand the scout properties, build an extension, uh, which is used as a meeting room, uh, where uh, a part of every day, as indeed is enshrined in the uh, trust deed left by Pa, should be spent in looking into the Christian faith and in studying the Bible. See, what does it mean for a life? It's not just a, a book of uh, good ideas. It's a transforming um, uh, scripture that can change, change our lives for the rest of our lives. I always think of the generations, the generations before me, mm. and then mine, and then mm. uh, your own would probably be next, and then, but it's carrying on, carrying on. I mean, it's, 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 this is a hundred years since it's been It's yeah. a long time, and you know, it's a lifetime. The generations impacted by Canty bear testaments to the remarkable things that can happen when we participate in what God is doing in the world. This is the heart of legacy giving the offering up of all that God has blessed us with in order to join in with his work of redeeming all nations to himself. This mission of God and God's people is exactly where Rebecca finds herself in her work amongst asylum seekers in Glasgow. Rebecca was one of the first ministry apprentices at Charlotte Chapel and part of her training was supported by the Sheila Masterton Memorial Fund. So during my time at university, um, I'd worked a lot with international students and really seen the amazing opportunity to share the gospel with people who had come from countries who'd never had the opportunity to hear the gospel before. And in my final year, um, Liam Garvey actually asked me to come back to Charlotte Chapel to do the apprenticeship program. So as part of that, I got to go to Cornhill, which was paid for through the Sheila Masterton Fund. So to go to Cornhill and see um, how the Bible was one unified storyline um, was really helpful and really eye-opening and I was able to use that as well um, in Bible studies with people at that time and even people now. Now I work for a church in Glasgow called Harper. My job title is cross-cultural worker, so that mainly means working with asylum seekers and refugees. So when people first arrive here, um, they claim asylum and they're placed initially within about one mile radius of our church building because we're just right next to the home office and the housing office. And usually at that point is where they find their way to us, either through um, other people from their country or they just um, walk past and see us and want to come in and get to know us. Um, so when I first came here, a lot of my time was spent just getting to know people and also trying to meet people's um, physical needs. So some people were arriving here during lockdown just with the clothes on their back and all clothes shops were closed at that time. So we managed to make a connection with a guy who had a factory um, and we were supplying people with clothes and um, jackets, things like that. We were supplying people with food and data um, as a way to try to build a relationship and get to know them. 
So a lot of that at the moment is just spending time with people one-to-one, -one, listening to their stories. A lot of people have been through a lot of suffering and even now and still suffer a lot. So just being in that listening ear and being able to offer the hope of the gospel and speak some biblical truth into people's situations. Um, we've also seen quite a few people being baptised over the past year, so I've had the privilege of doing baptism classes with them and studying what the Bible says about baptism and preparing them, hearing their testimonies. Um, and just other Bible studies, like we're in a course at the moment called Come Follow Me. So one of the guys who joined our course, he wasn't a Christian. The only reason he came to the course was because he was really lonely and he wanted to meet people and make friends. And he was really shocked in the very first session and it's just a kind of overview of what is the Bible. And he just assumed that like the Quran, the Bible had been written by one person after Jesus had lived. So when he found out that the Bible had actually been written and by lots of different people and was one storyline, he was really shocked. And yeah, you could just see his eyes opening like week after week, seeing how some prophets spoke specifically about things that were fulfilled by Jesus. Wow, what wonderful stories all. Three of them are not just Greta and Sheila, but also Pa Evans as he left County Bay. They illustrate to us the power of a life of faith lived for the Lord Jesus, the impact that it can have on their own generation, but also generations to come. And not just their biological family, but impacting so many people that they couldn't have even imagined. And it leaves a challenge for us, doesn't it? What legacy will we leave through our lives and through our wills? What a wonderful difference we can make if we entrust our resources to God. Let's come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and give you thanks and praise for your mercy and grace which you extended towards us through your son, Jesus. We thank you that while we were still enemies, Jesus went to die for us so that we could be forgiven, welcomed into your family, and know peace with you. Lord, we are so amazed by your great love that you showed towards us through Jesus dying for us. And Lord, as we reflect on your great mercy, as we think about all you have done for us, we ask that you will help us through your spirit to offer our whole lives, our whole selves as living sacrifices to you. Lord, show us where we're tempted to be conformed more to the pattern of this world than we are to the truth of your word. Help us to transform our minds and to seek after you so that we can see what your will is. And Lord, we thank you so much that you have placed us in this church family, in this body of Christ that is designed to work together to serve you. And Lord, as we continue in Romans this morning, we pray that you will help us to see the part that we have to play in serving this church family. Lord, we thank you that you have given each one of us gifts. Help us to use them for your glory. And Lord God, this morning, we thank you so much for the lives of Sheila Masterton and Greta Arthur. We thank you for their willingness to leave a legacy to the work of your kingdom. We thank you so much that they were willing to use all that they had for your glory. And Lord, it is such a blessing to see and to hear how the money that they have left has been used for your kingdom. It has been used to train many for gospel ministry. It has been used so people can hear the gospel through Canty Bay and others have been able to start church plants. Lord, we thank you for the ministry for, of Adam and the team at Christ Church. Lord, as they reach out to Queensferry, Lord, we pray that they will see people come to know you. 
and that they will be able to say thank you for the legacy that was left that enabled them to do that. And Lord, we thank you for the work that Rebecca is involved in over in Glasgow at Harpo. Lord, we thank you for the practical ways that they've been able to support refugees and show a welcome to them. And Lord, as they do that, we pray on that more will come to know your son, Jesus, and see the goodness of having that relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you for the many members of our church family who serve you in different ways in mission. We particularly remember this morning, Ivan and Joanna in Nerea. We thank you for the work that they're involved in with OM. We thank you that through this pandemic, they've been able to increase their work through digital ministry that have been able to reach more people. And Lord, as they focus on training and sending out more workers, we pray that you will raise up more people to join that team. So many people need to hear about you, but there are not enough people to go and tell them. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to listen to that call this morning. And if you are calling us to go, may we be willing to hear and be part of that team. Lord, we thank you for Joanne as she's been able to hand over finance work. Lord, we pray that that will be a smooth um, transition. And Lord, as Ivan is involved in Friends International, we pray um, for the many opportunities that there were to tell students about Jesus and the meaning of Christmas. Lord, we pray for ongoing fruit from these events. And as he goes to speak at, at Lancaster University in February for their events week, we pray that the students will come, that they will be bold in inviting their friends, and that he will be able to clearly teach and preach the gospel to these students. Lord, may lives be transformed through those events next month. And Lord, we also want to lift before you the Hindi in America. Lord, there are many people who have no idea about who your son is. And Lord, we ask that you will work in this group of people to overcome spiritual barriers so that they can accept Jesus' work on the cross. Lord, may, we, may the churches in that country reach out to the Hindi people. May they find ways to build close friendships and use these as ways to build the gospel, to share the gospel. And Lord, we also want to remember before you those in our church family who are sick or in hospital. We particularly pray for Ian Balfour and Morris Gone Russell in hospital. Lord, give the doctors wisdom to know how best to help them and what medical care they need at this time. We also pray for Sarah Forsyth, David and Margaret Dunsmuir. Lord, help them know your loving care for them. Give them a real sense of your presence with them. May they know that you have promised to give strength to the weak and power to the weary. And Lord, we also give you thanks that Sam Birchill came through his heart surgery this week. We thank you for the experience of the surgeons who were able to operate on him. And Lord, we do pray for a quick and straightforward recovery. May Sam and his family be able to give you glory for the support and comfort that you have been to them over the past couple of weeks. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can bring all these different things before you in prayer, knowing that you hear and that you act. And we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, we're, well, we're going to continue in praise by singing Psalm 133. Uh, this is a psalm that reminds us of how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, there's some imagery in this psalm that might not be familiar to you. The second verse uh, talks about precious oil being poured out on Aaron's head. And the background we need to know is that Aaron and his sons were not allowed to minister to the Lord in the tabernacle until their heads 
were anointed with holy oil. So this is a metaphor being used to communicate that our service to God is not acceptable without this holy oil of unity that displays our love for God and for each other. Verse 3 speaks about the dew on Mount Hermon. Dew is fresh every morning, uh, which reminds us that this unity, this love, is to be fresh and sincere every time we meet together. Now, we're going to sing this to a a tune that might not be familiar to everyone. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're all going to stand. Uh, The singers are going to lead us in the first verse, and then we'll go back to the start and all join in. Let's stand. We're now going to have our Bible reading, and our reading today is from Romans 12, uh, from verse 3 to 8. So why don't you look that up now, and Ruth Porteous, one of our members, is going to come and read that for us. Romans Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Just before Paul uh, comes to preach, we're going to sing again uh, about the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ. Let's stand as we sing, I need thee every hour.
please take a seat and uh, welcome. It's great to see you today and uh, it's my privilege to preach on God's Word today. And my question for you is, do you want your life to be transformed by God? Do you want to be transformed by God? Uh, do you want to prove from your own experience that God's will is, is, is good, pleasing, and perfect? Well, if you do, why don't you just join me in this brief prayer by adding your amen as we come to hear God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great kindness and love to us in Jesus. Please renew our minds by your Holy Spirit as we hear your word. Please grant us willing hearts that desire to obey your word as an act of thanksgiving and worship. Amen. Well, last Sunday we saw how uh, the Christian is someone who's being transformed by God. The Christian is surrounded by grace in view of his mercy, we saw. And so the Christian life is one where we are seeking to be shaped by God's grace. Uh, that that grace would shape our bodies and our minds. And the Apostle Paul urges the, the Christians in Rome, in view of God's mercy, that they offer up their bodies as a living sacrifice to be holy and pleasing to God. To put it simply, to have a renewed mind is to think about yourself the way God does, which will mean that we'll have a transformed way of living as we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if that feels just a little bit abstract to you, then it all gets a lot more specific as the Apostle Paul moves on in his letter and actually has the courage to press home these points very specifically to the Christians in Rome. And the way that we apply God's Word to us now is that we first need to seek to understand how it applied to them and then. And how do we do that? Well, we we read the whole letter and seek to understand the clues that we have in the letter about that original context. I've been really helped this week by a, a wonderful commentary by Paul Barnett. It's published by Christian Focus. Uh, Paul Barnett was a, is a retired uh, bishop in North Sydney. He's a lovely man. I've always enjoyed spending time with him. And um, he points this out, which I find very helpful. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, why don't you turn back to chapter 1? And verse 1, and notice how Paul introduces himself. Chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And we're going to come back to that bit in a moment. But then look about who he's addressing in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Now, contrast how he addresses them in Rome compared to how he does in Corinth. In Corinth, he says, to the church of God in Corinth. But not here, does he? Look at verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy apostles. So there's a big clue. Um, now turn then to the end of the book, to chapter 16. And look at how he ends his letter. 
there's a whole host of names, different people and different households to whom he sends greetings. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Greet the church that meets at their house. Uh, greet Eponitus. Greet Mary. Greet Urbanus. Greet Asyncritus. All these different names, all these different households, at least 13 different households in chapter 16. And it looks likely uh, that at the time that Paul was writing, there was not a unified church in Rome where um, the different believers gathered together. But there were lots of sort of small groups of Christians kind of linked to different households. And so it could well be that one of the reasons that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, this planned this visit to Rome and, and wrote this letter in advance of going, was to establish a kind of a unified church in Rome to consolidate these believers together in a one healthy congregation. Because they were missing out on all that God had for them by sticking to their own households and perhaps only meeting up with a few friends uh, rather than giving themselves to wholeheartedly be members of one congregation. And I think that's got a real prophetic edge for us right now in January 2022 as we come to the end of this COVID crisis. Online streaming church has um, been a, a useful sticking plaster of spiritual support. But it's not good for us spiritually to remain in our homes and to remain at a distance from physically gathering with other believers. You know, as we see that there's less to fear from this Omicron variant and as cases are dropping away, it's worth us reminding ourselves why it is so crucial that we physically gather together and to have our minds renewed by God's Word to see how we are to be a healthy church who are being transformed by God's grace. And so I want to suggest three ways that we need to uh, have our minds renewed this morning from these verses. Let me tell you them up front, the headings. Gospel humility in verse 3. Spiritual unity in verses 4 to 5. And the need to serve each other in verses 6 to 7. That's where we're going to go this morning. So the first point is this, we need gospel humility. Look back at verse 3, uh, Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, who likes being told what they should do? Who likes being told what you should think? None of us do really, do we? If someone starts dishing out advice when we haven't looked for it, we, uh, there's a sinful pride in us that kind of goes, who do you think you are? <laughs> Why are you what, talking to me like that? And actually, the Apostle Paul, who's never visited Rome, he's being very bold here as he's addressing these Christians in Rome. Um, but he's doing so with a sort of a humility and an authority that comes from being an apostle 
called by Jesus to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Remember what we looked back in chapter 1, verse 1, how he talked to himself, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And if you just look over at chapter 15, verse 15, it's good in a cold day to keep your fingers warm, isn't it? So keep flicking around. 15, verse 15, Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points, to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles, these non-Jewish believers, might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he's writing this letter and he's challenging them Because Jesus gave him that exact job to do this, to be his servant, passing on the gospel of God so that Gentiles would become those who choose to use their bodies as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, set apart by God's Spirit. And an area that Paul wants to challenge them on uh, is with regards to their pride and prejudice. Long before Jane Austen, He's challenging them about their pride and prejudice. Do not think of yourself as uh, more highly than you ought. We saw from chapter 11 a few weeks ago that there were definitely some ethnic tensions, weren't there, between um, the Gentile believers in Jesus and the Jewish believers in Jesus. And more than likely, uh, the Christians who were Roman citizens were of a higher social standing, perhaps, than some of the Jewish people who maybe lived in the less impressive parts of the city of Rome. And we can so easily assume the ethnic and social prejudices of the culture around us and be conformed to the same way of thinking. Snobbery, uh, superior attitudes can create distance that divides people. Society is full of divides, isn't it? About class and wealth and education and intelligence and and party politics and ethnicity. And if we remain conformed to this kind of worldly way of thinking, then our churches will be unfriendly cliques. And Paul was concerned enough and bold enough to bring it up In this letter, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We need renewed thinking, he's saying. Gospel-shaped thinking. You're only going to have a correct, uh, sober self-assessment of yourself when you measure yourself according to the faith that God has given to all Christian believers. And by sort of summarizing it by the word faith, he's reminding us that our salvation was not achieved by us, by our works. You know, if the only thing we bring to our salvation is our sin. We could not save ourselves. Christians are people who know that they... They were separated from God by their sin. Uh, It was all done by their own rebellious actions. 
And there's nothing that we can do about it. But God, in his amazing grace, has done something about it. That's why he sent his precious son, who was willing to die in the place of sinners, to be a sacrifice of atonement, to be the way that we can be at one with God, forgiven of our sins, if we simply trust in him. It's not by our works by what Jesus has done for us. It's all about Jesus and by just simply trusting him. And if our, if, if our salvation is down to this principle of faith in Christ Jesus, then there's no grounds for any one of us to have any particular boasts before God. And therefore, that should transform the way that we view one another. Whatever social class Whatever wealth, whatever education, whatever ethnic background, we were all created equally by God. We were all equally rebellious and sinful towards God. And we've all been equally saved by God's amazing grace. And we're all destined for a a glorious future. So you see, the ground is level at the foot of of the cross. And when we allow that truth to renew our minds, how can we allow the world's thinking that divides on social status or ethnic prejudice, how can we allow those ideas to continue to shape how we treat other people, let alone Christian believers? Only measured by the gospel of God's grace will I be able to have a renewed mind where I think of myself with a sober judgment and I grow in gospel humility. (laughs) For only gospel humility can overcome divisive superiority. That's the renewed thinking that we all need to to, to be moving towards, to be shaped by in verse 3. Secondly, Another outcome of renewed thinking is the need to express our spiritual unity. Uh, Look at verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So these Christians in Rome needed their minds to be renewed by this truth that they needed to be part of one body. Now you don't need to be a final year medic to get this analogy, I don't think. Uh, Just look at your own body. Yeah, still there. Um, Our bodies are a collection of different organs. Uh, Human dissection was part of my dental training. Um, and uh, it was a daunting privilege to open up the human body and examine all the different organs that made up the one person, to, to remove the heart and the lungs and look at the blood vessels and the liver and the brain and the tongue and all the other bits. Now, here's the essential point. None of these organs are that useful outside the body. Then, separate from the body, not very useful, not very pretty. But when they gather together in one body, what amazing possibilities when they're all in the one body. 
How beautiful is a body when all the organs are present and, 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 and working together in health. This was the renewed thinking that the Apostle Paul wanted the Christians to have in Rome. It, it was not good that these different households were separating themselves from other Christian believers. Renewed thinking would see that now united to Christ Jesus by faith, they were spiritually connected to other Christian believers as part of one spiritual body. So a transformed Christian with a renewed mind will know that spiritual unity needs to be expressed in physical gathering together. Our unity in Christ is, is closer than our ties to our family, uh, closer than our ties to uh, social class or ethnic groups, or whatever categories the world wants to use as the identifier. And you know this, you know, if, if, you, if you've traveled to another country, you've met people from different backgrounds, and you find out that they too are genuine believers, it's a wonderful thing. You instantly have this strong sense of connection with them. You both know and love the Lord Jesus. You're both excited about the most important thing. You're part of the body of Christ. You sense it instantly. But how strange uh, to have a group of people who, who live in the same city, who say that they're Christians, but who never become members of any particular church. There's a spiritual unity, but no practical expression of that unity. And by remaining isolated from a church, people are saying, in effect, I don't want to belong to other Christians. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be connected. Now, such thinking is very in line with the spirit of this age, isn't it? Which is all about individualism and the self. Life's about me. Life's about my fulfillment. I don't want to have to think about other people. Uh, just let me pursue what pleases me, please. But the renewed mind will think about ourselves in the way God does. In Christ, these verses say, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Now here's a thought. If you're a Christian believer, you don't belong to yourself. Huh? I belong to all the other believers. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? I want to do what I want to do. Hang on, who do you belong to? You belong to all the others in the one body. This is what Paul wanted these different households to see. The essential nature of their spiritual unity needs to be expressed by gathering together. Whether they were Jewish or, or Gentile believers, they need to be part of the one congregation. Just think about the benediction that I often use at the end of our services from chapter 15. Paul says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to sing together united in our common faith. What a joy it is to add our amends together as we pray together as the people of God here at Charlotte Chapel. Now, this is why we make a big deal about membership in this church. For us at Charlotte Chapel, 
The formal membership process is how we know who's a part of this expression of the body of Christ. By signing up to membership classes, being interviewed by the elders and affirmed and welcomed, we indicate to the other members of Charlotte Chapel uh, that we recognize that here's another believer in Christ to whom we also belong as part of this church body. And so can I appeal to the Christian who's been a tender at Charlotte Chapel uh, for quite a while now, and you, and you enjoy it, you benefit from that, I presume you do so because you keep coming back. Huh? You're crazy if you don't enjoy it and you keep coming back. So I presume you're enjoying it. Uh, what holds you back from becoming a member of this church? Is it pride? Is it because you think you're unworthy or too superior? Is it because you've been bruised from a bad church experience in the past? Well, I would hope that if you've been staying around for a while, you can see that we're not that sort of church. So what holds you back? And I want to just sort of playfully provoke you this morning and say, don't be as useless and aloof as a kidney in a tray. Get in the body. And why not talk to someone at Connect Corner this morning about how you can uh, take the next step into becoming a member at Charlotte Chapel. There'll be some extra guys at Connect Corner uh, this Sunday who'd love to chat to you. Third way that we need renewed thinking is to see our gifts are for serving each other in verses 6 and 7. So each organ has a different function within the body. You know, your lungs bring air into uh, close proximity to your blood vessels and the carbon dioxide uh, goes out and oxygen goes into the blood and then the heart pumps it around your body to bring oxygen to the different organs of your body and the kidneys filter out all the, uh, the waste materials and processes that happen as your body produces energy and so on. And, and I won't describe all the body functions, you can get other classes for that. But anyway, different organs all interdependently work together to enable the one body to function with health and vitality. And, and Paul expands on the different gifts that a church body possesses and, and makes the point that all of them are graciously given by God to us. The, the word, uh, the Greek word is charismata, which you might have heard, and, uh, and uh, charismatics do not uh, solely uh, have a, a take on spiritual gifts. Every church functions with charismata. We all have God-given gifts. Each of us. The Spirit endows us with, yeah, there's natural abilities, there's, there's all the potentials that we can do with our physical body, but also spiritual gifts that we can use, uh, which are an expression of the grace of God in us. Now, in the Bible, you'll see a number of different places where these are listed out. They're never quite the same, which is to say that I don't think we have a kind of a, a, a you know, a limited set. It, it's a whole range of, of things. They just illustrate some of the different gifts that, that God's Spirit gives to his people. Uh, prophesying is there on the list. That was a vital gift for the early church. Before the 27 New Testament books were all pulled together and attached to the 39 books of the Hebrew Scriptures, it, it seems that the way that God helped encourage these, these young churches, which maybe didn't have the letters of, uh, of the apostles, was that the spirits prophesied in local congregations and passed on that revelation in that way. 
In Ephesians 2, 19 to 20, Paul describes the church in this way. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So do you see how the ministry of the apostles and the prophets is described? The foundation, it's a foundational work built on the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. And when you build a building, you need to lay one foundation. And I would see that the New Testament that we have today is the fruits of the authoritative teaching of the apostles and prophets in the first century. And so um, I'm not sure that we need prophesying in that way today. And so whenever my charismatic friends, whatever they mean by their prophetic words, I don't think it means any new authoritative revelation that's for the whole church. Uh, I don't think they think that either. But here's the main point of these verses. All these different grace gifts are given to us by God so that we serve others with those gifts. So if your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is encouragement, then encourage. Uh, we need more gifted teachers to teach the Bible. We, we need more people with the gift of encouragement, those, those people who spur us on. Who, who Encouragement is the friendly push in the back, says, come on, that's the right direction, go that way. That's encouragement. Yeah, someone's teaching you the truth, and then someone's friendly says, go on, on you go. That's the right way to go. If your gift is encouragement, then encourage but notice that these uh, spiritual gifts are not just speaking gifts. They're not just dramatic things like uh, healings or miracles or whatever. It's about things like serving, leading, showing mercy. These are charismata, grace gifts of God. What a blessing when people simply get on and serve wherever it's needed. If your gift is giving, then give generously without any other uh, strings attached and, and, and uh, see the needs and meet those needs. How wonderful it is to have people who have the gift of serving and, and who get on with serving others. What a wonderful gift it is when people are willing to take on the roles of leadership. Uh, to not simply be those who turn up and serve when you're on the rotor, but to be willing to take leadership to help and direct and to motivate others. To do so diligently. How wonderful it is to have people to say, look, leave it with me, I'll sort that out, and they do it, to organize teams and, and get something done. What a blessing is that sort of leadership. What a blessing to have people who have compassionate hearts, who see the needs and the pain of, in the lives of others, and they come alongside, and they show practical help and support, this ministry of mercy, to do so cheerfully as they serve the practical needs of others. These are all charismatic gifts. You see that video on legacy that we saw earlier? It was full of people exercising their spiritual gifts. People faithfully gave money, left endowments, and others faithfully administered those funds, and, and we were able to train people to be Bible teachers to train people to be a blessing to asylum seekers in Glasgow and to, to pass on the, the hope of the gospel with asylum seekers in Glasgow. 
to think about all the, 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 the young people who've been blessed at Canty Bay because of Par Heavens having a vision for the work of the gospel there and the ongoing funds that have, and, the, and the people who've gone alongside and faithfully gone to these camps. There's, those are not del- deluxe conditions, my friends. And uh, these adults go there to bless these children, love them, care for them, teach them the gospel, full of worship, all of it worship, all of it showing renewed minds, transformed lives seeking to bring about transformation in others by passing on this gospel of grace. The thing that we need to recognize is that God doesn't give us these gifts so that we get some personal benefit out of it. We don't exercise, not supposed to exercise our gifts because uh, it's going to make me feel great. Um, I feel so fulfilled because I'm using my gifts. That's not the point of this at all. The gifts are all to be of a benefit to others. We do it to benefit the whole body of Christ. And no doubt there's real joy and blessing in that. But it's, it, the, the personal blessing is not the point. It is to serve others. And so my Christian friends, don't say, well, this church doesn't need me. A big church needs lots of people serving. Do you know that? And we need lots of people serving in lots of different ways. And actually, how wonderful when people serve out that sense that uh, they want to worship God with the grace gifts that God has given them. And do you see, if people remain at home and do not come to be part of the gathered church, we're all missing out. Uh, we miss those who aren't able to come because of their ill health or old age, infirmity. Uh, we miss not the be, and, and they would love to be here, but they're not able to. But my friends, if you are able to be here uh, and be involved, but are not, what's holding you back? Each of us has gifts that are vital for us to be a healthy church. If we sit back and don't engage, don't give, don't encourage, don't lead, withhold mercy, then the, the church body suffers. We need each other. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Do you want God to transform your life? Do you want God to transform your life? Then we need our minds to be renewed with gospel humility. For only gospel humility overcomes divisive superiority. We need to express our spiritual unity by becoming known members of a church where we physically gather. And by getting on with serving each other in that church with the grace gifts that God has given us, we will be transformed by God. And it's my observation that those who grow in their Christian faith are those who get stuck into church life. While those who only come occasionally on a Sunday, don't get involved with small groups, don't get involved with serving, my observation is that they struggle. They don't grow in the same way. And guess what? We've got people at the Connect Corner from, who are going to be at the, from the serve team. And they'd love to chat to you about ways that you could get involved if you're not currently involved this morning. What a glorious privilege it is 
to belong to Christ and therefore to belong to each other. That together we transform into the likeness of Jesus Christ as we offer up our bodies to God in worship. And it flows out of our gratitude for Christ and all he's done for us. So I'm going to close with a hymn, invite the team to come up. We're going to sing this wonderful hymn. Don't let its familiarity uh, wash past you so you don't get the words. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. We're going to sing. Save in anything but Christ and his death for us on the cross. Let's stand and sing. Next Sunday, as you come in, we're going we're gonna to all stick our first names on a sticky label and stick it on our chest. We're going to have a name badge Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to think about loving each other 
and it helps if you know each other's names. And so come a little bit earlier so you can scribble your name down on the sheet next week as we think about how renewed thinking will transform us into being a loving church. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen.